0: Shane Bieber and the Gamecocks are less than 48 hours away from taking the field for their 2023 spring game, which means in terms of predictions, it is time to get bold. You are locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Gamecocks are just one day away from taking the football field in front of their home fans for the first time in 2023 as they will play their spring game to officially conclude this recent slate of spring practices which means that it's time for us to get a little bit bold regarding what we think is going to happen and obviously coaches love spring games because they can quite literally control however the spring game plays out what exactly it is that their team does schematically the players that are on the football field how the spring game is even formatted They have their fingers on every little aspect, but that doesn't mean that certain things couldn't happen in this game. We're going to talk about a couple of different ball predictions that I have on today's show. To start off, let's begin with Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, one of South Carolina's most experienced wide receivers on the roster this season. I think that Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett are going to connect for the longest completion on the entire night. And this one is just going off a complete hunch for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, if Antoine juice Wells plays at all in the spring game, I would imagine that he's only going to be out there for maybe a series before they tell number three, okay, you could sit on the bench and drink all the Gatorade that you want for the rest of the night, and if that does happen, then that means that Xavier Leggett and Amarian Brown and a guy like Eddie Lewis might see a lot more snaps compared to, of course, Juice Wells at the start of the spring game. Xavier Leggett, I've mentioned this before, I think that there's one of two ways to utilize him when it comes to certain route concepts one, get the ball out to him quickly and let him use his physicality and his overall size and muscular frame to essentially punish SEC defensive backs that try to tackle him in the open space. Or two, have him go down the field. Don't have him go on like some sort of one-cut comeback route where he's only running like five, six yards down the field. Let him go run a post route or a streak or a deep dig route. Let him get like 20 plus yards down the field. And let that guy run. I believe Xavier Leggett is from Mullins, South Carolina. If that's the case. Then this analogy is quite fitting. Xavier Leguette runs like a thoroughbred. He is a guy that has got some really good speed behind that frame of his. And I obviously think that Xavier Leggett has got a massive chip on his shoulder. Considering the fact that he knows that this is his last chance to really just prove to everybody that he can be what he was, say, against Notre Dame for the majority of a football season. And Spencer Rattler, we all know, of course, what number 7 can do. So I think that these two are going to connect for some type of spectacular deep passing play on Saturday night. That is my first bold prediction for the spring game. My second bold prediction, I think that T.J. Sanders the rising third-year defensive lineman for the Gamecocks defense, is going to lead that unit in sacks by the end of the night. I'm a big T.J. Sanders fan. I think that if it weren't for the depth that South Carolina has on the interior defensive line, with obviously the veterans like Tonka Hemingway and Alex Boogie Huntley, it would be a guarantee, no question, that T.J. Sanders would be a starter in this unit. Honestly, I think that T.J. Sanders would start for the majority of Power 5 football programs. He reminds me a lot of Atonka Hemingway, a guy that was a multi-sport athlete coming out of high school, and a guy that can affect the game both in the pass rushing department and the rush defense department as well. But I think that for T.J. Sanders, his skills and strengths were primarily lie towards pass rushing. He's a very good athlete for his size, and he's also got a very high motor to go along with that. Plus, you look at the edge situation right now and the lack of depth. Don't be surprised if TJ Sanders maybe gets some snaps out there. Obviously, they're already down to four or five scholarship players at that spot. So some other guys are going to have to go out to those areas just to give those guys a bit more of a reprieve than everybody else is going to get. TJ Sanders could be one of those guys. And I think that he's going to perform quite well. And I think that he's going to get the better of some of his fellow offensive line teammates on Saturday night. He's a guy that I'm very excited to see how he performs with the added snaps he'll get because of the fact that, unfortunately, Taka Hemingway has missed all spring practice with a prior procedure that he had done on him. Now, those are just two of my three bold predictions for South Carolina's spring game. My third one happens to also talk about South Carolina's offensive line in some capacity, and more particularly, a young buck who could maybe play sooner rather than later. We'll discuss that bold prediction in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bill Bar. If you are somebody that maybe has not been following up on those New Year's resolutions that you made back in January, first of all, don't get down about that. Because I follow along in that same group, and I promise you, you're most certainly not the only one. But if you're looking to get back on track regarding those resolutions, then Built Bar is one of the best choices to make when it comes to your daily protein selection. Why? Bilt Bar is covered in 100% real dark chocolate. It comes in a variety of flavors. If you like coconut, Bilt Bar's got it. If you like churro, Bilt Bar's got it. If you like mint chocolate chip, banana cream pie for gosh sakes, Bilt Bar has got it. They are only 130 calories. They still have 17 grams of protein. And don't worry, they only have 4 grams of sugar per bar. And here's the other thing. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club right now to get Built Bar. You can grab a 4-bar box in the pharmacy section at Walmart. Or if you'd like to buy in bulk, you can go to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box. Built Bar is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, my final bold prediction for South Carolina spring game on Saturday night is this. I think that freshman offensive lineman Marky Anderson will have a performance that puts himself in the thick of the starting offensive line conversation heading into fall camp. There's a couple reasons why I think this. Firstly, obviously, Marky Anderson, he might be the most talented freshman offensive lineman that South Carolina has brought onto campus since Zach Bailey back in 2015. It's been quite a long time since we've seen a guy of this high of a caliber get this much buzz so early in his football career. Marky Anderson has got a balanced skill set. He is a rare guard, in my opinion, that could do well both in pass blocking and also run blocking. He's a guy that moves well laterally. He can perform a variety of different blocks in terms of pull blocks, reach blocks, obviously combo blocks, working downfield towards the linebackers, you name it. Marky Anderson can do it. He's already received a lot of praise from Lonnie Teasley, the current offensive line coach at South Carolina, who says that he is an SEC offensive lineman. And try to shy away from saying that he, you know, might play in year one, but it's very clear that based on the previous comments made by Coach Teasley, that Marky Anderson is just different than most freshman offensive linemen. And now here's the other reason why I think he could very well catapult himself into the starting conversation this upcoming fall. The offensive line unit apparently did not have a good scrimmage back on Tuesday. And this was made known, honestly, to everybody by offensive coordinator Dal Loggins, who when asked about the second scrimmage for South Carolina during his Thursday afternoon press conference, he told the media, quote, I didn't like the way we ran the ball in the second scrimmage. We have a long, 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 long way to go as far as that goes. And I would probably say we took a step back, to be completely honest. It's part of the process of trying to figure out who the best five offensive linemen are, what schemes we're good at. From a skill standpoint, we took a step forward. In the run game, we took a step back. Essentially, Dow Loggins was saying the offensive line did not do good enough on Tuesday because the skill positions obviously includes the running back unit. So basically it sounds like that the running game just didn't have much of a chance to begin with because of the offensive line. Now, obviously maybe that was a one-off, but you also have to consider this. The Gamecocks are four weeks into spring practice, five weeks now. You ought to be getting better as spring goes along on the offensive side of the ball, not regressing. So with all that being said, I think Marquis Anderson is going to do good enough on Saturday night. No matter how the lineups are divided based on what they've done with their player draft or whatever, I think that the coaching staff will walk out of williams Price on Saturday night and say, we got to find a way to get number 58 on the football field this fall. And I think that's exactly what Mark Anderson is going to do on Saturday night. What are your bold predictions for South Carolina's spring game? Let me know down below in the comments section or shoot me a direct message. On Twitter at A line underscore SC. But that is not the end of today's show. For the second half of this show, I'm going to show y'all an interview that I did with Mike Husman, who is a commentator when it comes to the transfer portal in college football. Mike Husman is a very knowledgeable guy. He's a former college football coaching analyst, so he knows the game quite well. And we talked about a plethora of things from how this portal window is going to be different to potential targets that South Carolina could go after and much more. So without further ado, let's kick it on over to my interview with Mike Huseman. Lockdown Gamecocks Nation, welcome to this special Transfer Portal Recruiting Edition on today's show, the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast. I am here with Mike Hughesman, who we've had on the show before. Mike is a former college football analyst, knows the game better than most people I talk to, and is somebody that's got a real deep knowledge bank of the Transfer Portal. And for South Carolina, of course, this is going to be a very important window upcoming that is going to start on Saturday. But before we get into that, Mike, obviously, there's already a first transfer portal window that has passed that took place between the months of December and January. But for those people that maybe don't follow transfer portal recruiting as much, what's going to be different about this portal window compared to the one that happened earlier in this offseason? So there's two main differences that I always feel like happen in this
1: one. One is that you see a higher percentage of guys who commit to G5 schools as opposed to P5 schools, which makes sense because it's typically guys who they're in a battle at a P5 school for a starting job. They see the writing on the wall that they're going to lose and they want to start somewhere. And the other one is that we will have, um, Those G5 schools, I'll use Oklahoma State as the example here. Um, They need a quarterback really bad. If they don't get one, they're a two or three win team next year. They have Mike Gundy's son and another guy who would be an FCS guy at best. Um, After Spencer Sanders left, we saw what they were like when Sanders was out. So a team in that situation, you may do two things you either lock up a guy right away who might not be your first choice, but he'll dance with you. Then you see if you can sign somebody else and you go into your fall with a battle of two average guys, or you try to wait it out and you see the opposite of what we talked about where you maybe get a G5 guy or a lower level guy to then come to a higher level. Those are you know, some of the things I think to look for, um, especially the QB position is so exciting to look at now. Um, that movement that'll happen, we'll see less of it than we did in the winter, but it might be higher stakes. And the guys we see moving now will almost surely be starters, unless it's that battle
0: of two lesser desired guys, so to speak. Right, and you know, you bring up a really good point there, Mike, because it is a very interesting dichotomy in terms of how guys enter the portal. That's sort of where I want to lead into this next question that I have for you. In terms of portal targets for Shane Beamer in South Carolina, do you think that the guys that they do bring in, assuming that, of course, they are definitely going to attack the portal in this window, are going to be guys that maybe have been sitting in the portal for a couple of months, or guys that are going to be entering the portal maybe because they lose a position battle coming out of another spring practice at an entirely different school. So
1: that's a tough one because you you talked about that. The second part of that, um, is it going to be a guy who loses a battle? We usually don't see those guys go to sec, big 10, you know, P five conferences. Typically, if you lose a battle, you're going to go to a lower level school, but that's not to say it can happen. I I certainly think um, there are guys at some schools in the P5 who will try to go and start at another P5 school, especially the portal makes it so much easier now, and it won't be unheard of. It's something we will see more of, I think, and it will be largely dependent on position. So I think if you're Shane Beamer, And the staff there, if you like a guy who's a corner, you know, a position where we're going to need a guy, and he loses a battle and goes out there, well, if you look at him and say, he can be a top four corner for us right now, you go and get that guy. Even if he was at, you know, Auburn, Oregon, uh, Michigan State, you know, any of those schools, it doesn't matter. Like, I was just throwing those names out as an example. Right you almost need to be and th- this is something i've said on other shows before you need to be recruiting and evaluating the talent at other colleges looking at how their depth charts look and how their spring battles are playing out and that's really tough to do and it makes your off
0: the field staff that much more important it's a great point and you know it's something that these coaching staffs nowadays they have to account for that and there's certain guys now i believe and i know you can speak to this better than me where i think their only job quite literally is hey scout guys that might be in the transfer portal or scout these other position battles like you mentioned at these other power five schools especially you know sec and big 10 which obviously are the most talented conferences in the entire country and see what you can find in case we do need a guy at certain spots certainly and You're going to have, you know, at at the P5
1: schools, your budget is going to be big enough where your recruiting and player personnel staffs can do that. I think where we really saw this come into play was at the G5 schools who may have struggled to um, be able to have enough money to pay a full staff like that. But if you're those guys, um, uh, you know, the teams I threw it before uh, Marshall, Appalachian State, uh, memphis you know it's very beneficial for you to know who's losing those position battles at georgia who's not going to start at ohio state who's not going to make it at tennessee hey come here you'll start for us you'll get looked at by the nfl every game we play will be on tv and we're in a place where you can
0: still get nil money so yeah Continuing our conversation here with Mike Huseman on today's Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Mike, let's talk about some positions now where South Carolina, obviously, again, is going to need to maybe find some other guys. I think that we can both agree that some of the main positions are, you know, the edge spot, clearly uh, running back for sure. Maybe some depth at wide receiver or cornerback, like you mentioned earlier. Which position out of that group is? Do you think it's South Carolina's biggest position of need right this very moment? I do
1: think right now it is getting somebody who can rush the quarterback off the edge. Um, the, the depth there doesn't look good, and there are question marks about who's going to start. You know, is it going to be Johnson, Jordan, Strack, Terrell, Docs, uh, Dunks, but. We're not sure. Um, Jeron Willis is an interesting one who's a guy who's rushed pretty well. They're listing him at outside backer for now. We'll see, you know, scheme-wise where he ends up. But I think um, and don't get me wrong, you would mention running back. You could make a strong case for that. But I guess I like Juju McDowell a little better than I like our ability to get after the quarterback right now. So I I would have to lean there. Um but you could make a case
0: for the other positions as well. But I in my mind, it's edge. Right, and Edge is definitely. I think right now they're down to five or six scholarship players, which for an SEC football team, that's certainly not something that uh, you want to be dealing with nearing the end of spring practice. And you know, Desmier Meozulu, true freshman player, could end up being a starter week one against the North Carolina Tar Heels. And as good as he is, it's hard to start as a true freshman in the trenches in the SEC. So. Since you mentioned the edge position, let's talk about a specific target Uh, in Derrick McClendon II, a guy that was at Florida State the last few years. He really seemed to come on in that Seminoles defense this past season and was sort of a surprise entry in the portal about a month and a half ago or so. And he's visited South Carolina, so he seems to be somebody that this staff is looking at. Do you think that McClendon could end up in Columbia at the end of the process? Or do you think maybe there's somebody else maybe that we don't know for the most part right now that could wind up here playing for South Carolina?
1: Um, I certainly think that, um, McClendon is a strong target for the Gamecocks. Um, I don't think at this point, a guy like him, you're not going to visit anywhere where you're not seriously considering, um, just because the window is closing, you know, even though it just opened up, this one's only 15 days. You can't really mess around. And at most, absolute most you're going to be able to get three visits in um, if you haven't done it yet. So um, McClendon certainly could be a guy. Um, We don't know at that position, who else might enter, you know, the portal. It's always, um, and I, I'm glad you didn't ask us because some people say well who do you think might go in the portal there's really <laughs> no way to answer sometimes a yeah. QB you, you can there, there are there are situations at quarterback where it's like oh this guy will but right. um, beyond that it's tough um another good edge guy who's out there is um, Byron Vaughn. he was at Utah State this past year um, has visited Florida State recently which could be a McClendon replacement. Um, Hmm. It also sounds like Purdue um, is probably, in fact, the front runner to get him. Um, There were also multiple Texas A&M edges who entered the portal after last season, like three or four of them. Um, I believe one or two is still in the portal. Um, I know Marcus Burris is. um, Donald Harris, I, I heard, committed to Louisiana Monroe. I didn't see that as an official, but it sounds like That's where he's going to end up. But some of the A&M guys who had talent were also out there. Um, And Cavante Henry was at Oklahoma, who it wasn't surprising he entered the portal because out of the top five edges that were in the portal, two of them committed to Oklahoma. So it made sense that some of their guys further down the depth chart did enter. So um, Henry... Is a guy who could enter and will have four years of eligibility left. So, and also, I know he went there after Beamer, but some of those connections still are obviously going to be there. So, yeah, um, I think Kabonte Henry is
0: a guy to watch for. Well, it definitely sounds like that South Carolina has got plenty of players that they could wind up targeting over the Next two weeks, again, the second transfer portal window is starting on Saturday, the day of South Carolina's spring game. So, this coaching staff, uh, no, no days off for them. They're going to be going straight from the spring game and spring practice right into recruiting, both high school recruiting and also the transfer portal. So, definitely a lot to watch for South Carolina over. The coming weeks, Mike Husman, thank you so much for coming on to today's show. If you are interested in looking at more information regarding the transfer portal in all of college football, you can find Mike Husman on Twitter. His at is at Husman CFB. For those of you listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, that's spelled H U E S. M-A-N-N-C-F-B, all caps for college football. If you are interested in more information regarding South Carolina's spring game, I'm going to be talking with John Garcia Jr. on a separate show later today regarding high school recruits who are going to be visiting Columbia on Saturday and then of course I'll do a recap of South spring game on Sunday so do not miss out on all that content coming your way right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.